Hello, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of Faye Answered Questions. Uh, this is the podcast where the Faye family tries to answer questions about life. I'm joined this week uh, just by uh, my lovely parents, mom and dad. Hi. Uh, this is just dad, apparently. <laughs> <laughs> oh, sorry about that. So let's just dive right into the first question. Uh, first one is about car maintenance. Um, so what can you do at home with your car? Um, what do you absolutely like need to take it into the mechanic for? Normally, if something goes wrong, I'd call dad and I'm like, hey, it's making a funny noise. Like, what is this? <laughs> and then he'll run me through troubleshooting with it. And I think that's the same for Felicity and Ben. They'll both call when something goes down. Yep. But I think more and more the answer has just been like, hey, look it up on YouTube and figure it out. Because <laughs> there's a whole world of information there that's super handy. YouTube's your greatest friend. How are you adult? Yep. I think on car maintenance, I think it's really important that you read your manual and you know how your car operates. It's it's the manual on how it's going to operate optimally for you. And just doing those little maintenance things that you know, like checking your oil in between oil changes, learning how to do your oil changes, checking all of your fluids, checking all of your air filters that go with it, your tire pressure, keeping your car clean inside and out. Um, whether you think anything about it or not, it's going to help you have car pride so that you, then you will take care of it because it's a huge investment. And, you know, pay cash for something and keep it, keep it maintained and you'll have a good car. Mm. I'm glad you brought up the car manual thing because I just found mine the other day. So I, I bought this car uh, into September, I want to say or sometime in September. I couldn't find the car manual. I was like, oh, it's going to be in the glove box somewhere. No, there's a special little compartment under the steering wheel, like hidden. It's super weird. I never knew where to find it. I thought the owner, the previous owner had just like kept it or thrown it out or something. But finally found it and was flipping through that the other day. <laughs> It's it's a good handy guide to troubleshoot things. Yeah. And then if all else fails, I just tell your dad, is that something we can fix? Which is code for, can you fix that or am I taking it in? <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, I think the, the limiting factor for me right now is not having the tools kind of available to try and fix a bunch of stuff. Um, yeah, I think... Um... Number one, outside of a home, most people's car purchase is probably their next biggest expense. Um, And that's because most people fall into the trap of buying a new car and financing it, um, which as you know and knew growing up, we don't buy new cars. We buy all. we buy very gently used used cars, secondhand yeah. cars, previously yeah. owned cars. Call them what you will. Previously loved. Um. So at the minute, so people understand, um, we have a 2002 Mercedes Benz ML 320, which is the SUV. 
Um, that vehicle has less than, it's got less than 70,000 miles on it. Um, and we paid cash for that. Uh, then we've got a 2000 Mercedes-Benz ML320 that has 112,000 miles on it. Um, and then my little project vehicle, when I get around to fixing it up, is a 1986 Isuzu Pup Pickup. Heck yeah. Uh, yeah, which is cool as hell. Um, but uh, most American people, if they even remember the Isuzu Pup, will remember they were the Chevy Love pickup between 78 and 85. So um, hmm. that's how they'll recognize that. But we don't buy... I mean, I mean, we're, we're, we're talking a 20-year-old and an 18-year-old everyday driver. Both of them have right, well, one has well less than 100,000. One has just over 100,000. Um, and we just maintain them. We do, I, I do as much work on those vehicles as I can myself. Because mm -hmm. most mechanics are going to charge you minimum $80 an hour. Most of them on average charge about $120 an hour labor. Yeah, that's what I found out recently um so i have a 2002 audi a6 um, which has just a tick over 120,000 miles on it um so not a whole lot of miles for its age and I've, I've found as with all things you know you don't find the problems until after you buy it right <laughs> um, so i had to I had to take it in the other day figure out stuff with the with the brakes and the power steering that that costs an arm and a leg. Yeah, to try and figure out. I'm not looking forward to having to go back and try and get any more work done on it. <laughs> and that's that's why you you know you should try and learn and do as much of it yourself as you can. Obviously, you in your situation is a little different because you've got no yeah. tools and blah blah blah. But you know, if you're listening to this and you've got a house and you've got a you know, uh, somewhat semi-decent toolbox um, and you've got a garage and a piece of cardboard uh, or a carport and a piece of cardboard, most yeah. everything basic you can do yourself. Like you can do an oil change. It does not take a lot of money to do an oil change. Um, I, th I think on our vehicles, an oil change for me to do it myself with new filter, and new oil, um, you know, we're looking at like thirty-five or forty dollars. Uh, mm -hmm. Maybe a little more now because I use synthetic, so it may be up around the fifty-dollar mark. Um, but if I took it in to get the oil changed, if well, if I took it in, if I took it into a dealership, it would be two hundred dollars. If I took yep. it to, if I took it into a Jiffy Lube Quick Lube place it's probably 120 to get the oil change so i mean it takes me maybe 30 minutes if i piddle around and just you know do an oil change without getting too excited and you know so 30 minutes of my day gone changing the oil and 50 bucks but i've saved 70 dollars yeah i remember doing a lot of oil changes with you growing up yeah, and as you know, because you helped me, we uh, we did brake jobs and changed brake calipers. Yep. And um, right now, I'm I I bought a new battery and a, a starter motor to put on that 2000 ML320 because the starter motor mm -hmm. finally 
conked. Oh, finally gave up. Yeah, and it's just age. I mean, but that's not. I mean, and you know, the parts weren't overly expensive. The new battery, well, you know, I think between the battery and the starter motor, I'm less than four hundred dollars into those. Um, I obviously I don't pay for my time to put those in, but if I again, if I go to a dealership and I have a dealership put a starter motor on for me and put a battery in for me. I'm I'm batting eight nine hundred dollars. Um, so I think when it comes to car maintenance, learn as much as you can yourself. Talk to your trusted mechanic. Have them explain it and help you, and see if you can help them. Yeah, I mean, find a mechanic you trust and and get to know them pretty well. But the basics, like your mom said, learn to change your oil. If you've got a and let's face it, most people do. Their cars are going to be newer than 2000, you know, the year 2000. Uh, they're probably newer than the year 2000. Change your oil. Use, uh, you know, you're using synthetic, so it's it's going to run at least 5,000 miles. And if all you're doing is driving your car around town, then you're going to get 10,000 miles out of it. Learn, yeah. to change, learn to change your air filters. Learn to keep your tire pressure at the same at the mm-hmm. optimal pressure for your tires so you don't wear mm-hmm. your tires you know save on gas, save on gas mileage absolutely um, so it's all the basic stuff that you can do then whatever you save doing that don't spend it put it back because when something big goes wrong you're going to have the money to pay for it yeah so so what is something big that you would take your car in for like transmission um for me, it'd have to be something that I could not diagnose through like YouTube or, or something I haven't mm-hmm. done before. Um, so for me, if I've got an unusual vibration or noise in the engine that I, I have never heard before, if I yeah. have, you know, a transmission that isn't shifting correctly, uh, you know, I'd take that in. Um, yeah. You know, I got I got a little lazy on this this black truck that we've got, I took it in and had them uh, service the transmission for me. Uh, you and I, I think, did the transmission service on the red truck that we had. Yeah, yeah, I remember that it one. No, it was the red one. But, yeah. um, you know, so, uh, you know, for me, it has to be something big. Like, mm-hmm. and when I say big, you know, you you go out, you turn the key, and it's obvious it's not the battery, and it's obvious it's not the starter, and your truck your truck's not starting, um, yeah. you know, or, or or something like that. Uh, for some other people, it could be simply a bad starter motor, yeah. and they don't want to t- spend the time changing it themselves. I get that, um, or they don't have the tools available to change it themselves. Then you do have to take that in. But if you've done all your oil changes and that kind of stuff, you've got the money back that you can take it in. Yeah, absolutely. And what what would you say are like the most essential basic tools to have in your toolbox? Uh, go and buy a set. Now, it depends on what kind of vehicle you get. Obviously, you need to know if it's European or American because then you need to know whether you've got to buy metric or SAE standard uh, tools. Um, so you need a basic wrench set. Yeah, I was going to say spanners, but I knew everyone would be like, oh, that was a spanner. <laughs> yeah, uh, I don't think a lot of people would understand that. <laughs> so 
a basic wrench set, a basic um, socket set, you know, and a, and when I say a basic socket set, get a don't get a twenty five piece, get a seventy five or a hundred piece socket set, so you've got mm. plenty of choices. D- depending on how far you want to go, you may want to invest in a torque wrench so that you can tighten bolts down to specific torque settings. Torque uh, wrenches are really cool. They are. Uh, you, if you're going to do oil changes, you'll need a filter, a filter wrench, uh, a, a pan to drop the oil into. You know, um, a, a good a good set of three funnels it would be handy. Hmm. Um, but those are kind of the basic basic tools to get started. And don't forget the specialty tools you do not have to buy. Most auto parts stores you can rent them. I didn't know that. Yes, so you can go to an auto parts store, and if you're if you're needing a specialty tool um, on your brother's truck, I changed out the bearing on the fan. I think the fan bearing or the the front idler pulley bear the front idler bearing. I think I changed out on it, and I needed a special tool to get the fan off. Uh, mm. And I rented it from the local auto parts store. Um, basically, gave him twenty dollar deposit. Came home. I think it was not even thirty minutes, and I had the fan off and the bearing changed and the fan back on, um, and took it back. And I I got fifteen of the twenty back. Nice. So cool. um, there you go. Hot t- hot tips if you if you need specialty tools out there. Yeah. So I mean. Yeah, and you'd be surprised. Like you can go on YouTube, and I've bookmarked them on my YouTube station. Uh, uh, like I have uh, one, two, three, three European auto repair sites that deal with Mercedes-Benz bookmark. So I can immediately go to them and and then type into them what I'm looking for and it'll bring up the video and I can just follow along step by step. Oh, easy enough. <laughs> uh, along with you know, maintaining your car, don't forget your windshield wipers. Make sure they are good before you hit a, a rain or snowstorm. And, you know, even if you're not using them in the summer, it does deteriorate with the sun and heat. So mm-hmm. make sure you have good wipers so you can see. The other thing people forget is your headlights. Make sure your headlights, the covers are clear. And if they're really cloudy and it's hard to see, get that polishing kit and polish them up so you can actually see where you're going. That's very important to safety. We've done that for all of ours and for everyone. (laughs) Yeah, your SO. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, my partner. Yeah. I think think we've done that for her at least two or three times. Yeah, <laughs> she's come over and you've right. been out no, there and you yeah you'll look and at me and be like hey go clean your headlights real quick okay and, and it's just simple stuff like that that's what we were talking about car maintenance it's just simple little everyday things that you think oh i don't want to do that but trust me taking those five or ten minutes half an hour to do those things you are actually going to save yourself tons of time money and anguish because if you don't have good wipers and you get caught in a rainstorm 
you're going to end up not seeing what's happening in front of you and, you know, driving into a pothole that's, you know, full of water up to your door handle. Yeah. You know, if you don't take care of your tires and your slick, you're going to hydroplane, you know, that kind of stuff. You just want to make sure that you've done everything to mitigate extenuating circumstances for a wreck. Yeah, absolutely. It's a good way to be sustainable with everything, um, which is a good one. Good one, Mom. Nice segue. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Not just the the, Yeah, that brings us to the next topic of discussion uh, today, which is different ways to be sustainable. Um, So I know when we say sustainable, we mainly think environmentally sustainable, um, but there are other ways. um, Specifically, you can be socially sustainable or you can be economically sustainable. Um, I guess the easiest one to segue into would be the economic uh, sustainability, especially if, like if you're doing your own car maintenance, you're saving a lot of that money um, that you would otherwise be spending on that car. Well, and just a point on the car maintenance thing: um, you're changing your own oil. You put it back into the container that you bought, and most of your um, O'Reilly's or um, auto parts stores will take that used oil back for you. Recycle. The, and they'll recycle it so you're not throwing it in your trash which is not to happen yeah no not at all that's it i remember uh, i was looking at a an old um like car maintenance book a while ago and it was like ways to like get rid of oil if you do your own oil change and it was like dig a hole in the ground fill it with gravel and then no. pour the oil in there and i was like what the hell <laughs> That's not good. Not at all. I can remember growing up on the farm in Australia, and we used to take it and paint the fence posts, the wooden fence posts with it so they wouldn't rot. (laughs) That was how we recycled old oil on the farm. That's awesome. Mm. (laughs) Not very good since how we're on a watershed. Yeah, no, definitely not. But that's... Definitely, I can something I can see happening in the seventies, eighties. It's like, oh, let's paint the fence with the oil. It should be fine. <laughs> <laughs> yep. So for um, sustainability, I do have a few things here. Yep, you've written notes. I see them. Yes, I think the first one that's probably um, really important that covers all points of sustainability is take inventory. So take inventory of your life, where you're at, where you want to go, what you can do differently. And that mm. could be as, as simple as if you're renting an apartment, simply change your light bulbs to more efficient LED light bulbs. That's, it's, funny, it's funny you bring that up, though, is because um, I, I was texting uh, my partner before this about sustainability and her. As you know, her major is biological and environmental engineering, and she has taken many a sustainability class. So she sent me a like seven paragraph long text about different ways you can be sustainable. And one of the, yep, number three on her bullet points is switch to LED lights. I mean, it, it really is it's as simple as that. It's also looking around your living arrangements and going, 
do I need all this stuff? Mm. And if you, if you don't, great, then, you know, like if we're talking clothes, furniture, books, whatever, you can sell that to make money and just put that in savings and investment investments like we've talked about, Mm -hmm. or you can donate it to other places. If you need new clothes, go to a thrift store. The key to that is go to the posh areas and go there because you're going to find a lot better stuff cheaper. So, um, you know, that's, that's another way of doing it. Another way to be sustainable is where you live and where you work. How far is it? Can you walk? Can you ride your bike? You know, can you take your scooter or, you know, how can public transport, public transport? Um, I know as Americans, they love their independence and right to drive their big trucks. And they're big vehicles <laughs> and, you know, be aggressively stupid while they're driving. But, you know, look at it. I try to, when the weather's nice and I don't have a bunch on where I need my car at work to go to the neighborhoods and stuff, I will ride my bike. I try to do it at least once, maybe two to three times a week in the spring, summer, and fall. Winter's a little bit different, but, you know, it kills two birds with one stone, so to speak. You're getting exercise and you're saving the environment by not running over things, <laughs> which I did on my bike. So that's a whole other story. <laughs> but you know, take take inventory of what you're doing and and look at what you can change. You know, maybe you can. You don't have to become a, a minimalist, but maybe you can look more that way and go. You know, what what do I really need? What do I really like? You know, is it necessary for me to have, you know, 20 designer towels sitting in the cupboard where I don't need that? Is it is it necessary for me to buy that, you know, three bedroom, two baths, 2000 square foot home when really in actual fact, I can get get by with a smaller one that's just as nice and not yeah. have, have to have all the big stuff and keeping up with the Joneses. No, absolutely. And for me, like, I don't, I don't enjoy having a ton of just stuff lying around. Um, so you see those, <laughs> there's some pictures online turned into a bit of a meme where it's um, like a guy's apartment and it's just like a folding chair and a TV in the <laughs> middle of the living room. Um, <laughs> I think that's kind of more how I lean on, you know, owning a bunch of stuff. Um but also, like, as far as, like, clothes go, like, when I, when my clothes have kind of, like, um, when I'm reaching the end of their life, like, with me. But, they're, like, they're still good. Like, I'll go donate them um, to different, like, shelters. And, like, a lot of cities, they have those, just those drop-off right. um, things on the side of the street, which which I do a lot. Uh, yeah, I mean, that, that's just the tip of the iceberg. Now, if you have a fairly nice apartment and you have a terrace on it or you have a home, you can do gardening. You don't have to have a big plot to do gardening on. You can do container gardening. You can have stuff in the you know south facing windows. If you have that, there's a lot of things you can do. You can even put in some lights and have a food production year round. <laughs> 
Um, I mean, like we, you know us, we've tried everything. We've had, you know, the polytunnel greenhouses, the aquaponics. We have all kinds of stuff going. <laughs> yeah, yeah, um, absolutely. But it's also just doing that kind of thing. Um, you know, one thing I ran across, they were talking about, you know, support your farmer's market. I, I have mixed feelings on that. <laughs> <laughs> you can watch a lot of different documentaries where they show that they actually don't grow them and they're bringing them in from big, huge production farms and just taking the stickers off of them and reselling them as homegrown. Right. And not. Um, so you need to be aware of that. In our area, if I go to the farmer's market, I can go to a couple different local grocery stores and find those same producers selling to organic to the local grocery store for less than what they're selling at the farmer's market. It's coming from the same place. Yeah, well, it's posh, you know, you got to go to the farmer's market. You got to, <laughs> <laughs> the whole thing, you got to take like 60,000 photos while you're there. Right. So, you know, that that's part of sustainability is doing your research and understanding where that's coming from. Another thing is bartering. You have a skill set. You may have somebody who doesn't have that skill set, but they have a product or a skill that you need. You can barter that so that you're you're helping each other out. You're not, you know, going and buying something disposable from the from the store or whatever. It's it's another way of um, going back to kind of back to the old school stuff. You mm -hmm. can, you know, barter to get it done, and and it's not costing you any money per se. Yeah, so just a little bit of time. Yeah, I mean, it's a little bit of time, but, you know, you're going to have to use that time trying to do it yourself when you can switch times, you know, switch stuff to get it done, which is kind of an interesting thing to do and, and whatnot. I'd leave the bartering to your father. We get sandwich makers we don't need. <laughs> I, th I think that, uh, you know, it, it, all of this ties in together and it, it's, really something that I tried to instill in you guys growing up. Um, and as you watched what I did, which is learn as much about something as you can so you can do it yourself. And learn how to, of course, all of this stuff's become trendy now. Uh, we give it all different names, <laughs> upcycling and, and repurposing and you know, basically, whatever you have, learn how to use it again. Uh, you know, so the chest of drawers isn't broken down, so you don't really need to go out and uh, buy a new one for 300 bucks. You can give it a $50 coat of paint and you're good to go. Right. Now, we call it, now we call it upcycling and we've got to post it on Etsy. Um, <laughs> so, it's going to be cool and trendy for the kids these days. <laughs> yeah. So... But we've done that pretty much all our life, uh, sometimes out of necessity, sometimes just because that's what we did. Um, we were very, and I'm not going to say we're frugal by any stretch of the imagination. We could be a lot more frugal. Um, but I just, I hate spending money uh, unnecessarily, you know. Um, you know, and, and so it, it is a lifestyle choice being sustainable is a lifestyle choice. And it's not something that this country has been used to, uh, other countries around the world have been far more sustainable than this country for a lot longer. 
Uh, this country was very big in consumerism and, and buy it when it's broke, throw it away. I mean, I don't know how many times you guys have watched me rip a washing machine apart and put a new motor in it and, and yeah. do, all, do all that kind of stuff because I don't like just throwing money out. Uh, absolutely. And that, that's the same way I am now. It's like somebody be like, oh, why don't you just like buy a new one? I'm like, I don't freaking want to. Like, that's a whole waste of money. Right. And there's a lot like, and you know, because I, we've commented on this podcast before about me sending links through our family chat about on people that have you know retired really early in life and one of the reasons they did is because they were hugely sustainable yeah um and and you know i wish that we would have the ability to go back to our 20s and and be ever so more sustainable uh because we would be well and truly you know set and retired and done by now right Right, absolutely. Um, I, I think, um, you know, with global warming and all of that, water is a huge, um, mm. a huge hot topic. You know, just switch to a reusable water bottle. Stop using plastics. Um, you know, the, the other thing is take a look at your toilet. How much water is it using? How old is your toilet? If it is over 20 years old, you need to redo it. You need to get a new one. Unfortunately, mm -hmm. if it happens to be like ours, where they concreted stuff in and you can't get but one size and they don't make that anymore, you can install a toilet buddy or um, for whatever reason, the what is the flusher thing called that we installed? That's, anyway, the lever. <laughs> The flush file, the lever to do that. When we got it, it was it was just weird. So you actually have to push it back, but you can control how much water you use. Mm -hmm. So that's always an, an important thing to do. And just you know, it it also depends what state you're in and the laws and the rules. But you know, collect your rainwater, even if only you're only allowed to do that to use in your garden you're not using and paying for water to water your garden or your yard. Yeah. That, that's something I don't understand is why some states, they make it illegal to collect rainwater. It's just coming from the sky and landing on my property. I don't like understand why for they would regulate. Water, they, they want to be able to add their fluorides and their other stuff and clean it, make sure you're not, you know, they don't trust you to be able to, hook in a filter to clean out all the impurities so you're not killing yourself with bacteria mm. da, 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 da. no people are dumb so it's another way of it's 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 money it's money they don't get any mm. tax money the county doesn't get any tax money but i mean there's there's every other country in the world is like rainwater yes you want to have your tanks good do it please you know, don't don't put such a burden on the municipality's water supply. Right. Um, but if you if you are in one of those states or those counties or wherever that you can't do that, but you can collect the rainwater off your gutters from your roof, then do it. You'd be surprised how far that goes, and it'll save you money there as well. Yeah, absolutely. I don't, 
I was going to ask what what are the um, rainwater I guess laws um, back at home where you guys are at? Can't do it. Yeah, where we live, they will not allow you to collect rainwater for um, domestic use. You can do it for your garden. You can have a rain barrel. Uh, you can even tie a rain barrel to your gutter system for your garden, um, but you're not allowed to use it domestically mm. unless you walk outside with a saucepan and take it from your rain barrel and boil it for five minutes. <laughs> what? No way. That would never happen. <laughs> never do that. Oh. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, they don't come around and check at night. Uh, <laughs> so, uh, but you know, there's. I mean, there's. There are ways around it like that. You know. Yeah. Um, and uh, heck, if you go on YouTube again, you can figure out how to make a rainwater barrel dirt cheap. Um. So you don't have to buy the nice hundred and twenty dollar one at your local Whole Foods market. Um, <laughs> Bezos has enough money; he doesn't need yours. Uh, yeah, I made enough money during the freaking pandemic. Yeah, absolutely. But anyway, you know, it, and it comes back to if you have a home that you're living in, and you know you're you're trying to garden, and you have to mow and rake your leaves and stuff. Have a compost pile. And put your green waste compost and your coffee grinds and your tea bags in it. Um, don't put, if you're a carnivore, don't put any meat proteins in there because in fatty stuff, that doesn't work. But you're then enriching your soil. And when you have worms in your yard and in your gardens, that's a good thing. That's it's a sign that your soil is getting healthy and it's, and it's working and the microbial stuff is working. When you dig in a yard and there's no worms, you got a problem. And it's healthier for the environment. It may take a little bit longer, but do your own composting. Use that as your top dressing, and that's going to have a greater benefit for your yard. Yeah, top top dressing in the garden, not on your salads. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but um, I was gonna I was gonna bring up. Um, so I know at home we have a couple of greenhouses and we have our aquaponics um, set up. Um, so I was gonna ask what what's been your experience with with that gardening? I guess on that that kind of scale, like in the backyard with the greenhouses. Um, how has that impacted? Like what food you eat? We typically try to plant and grow what we're going to eat. Um, but yeah. it's it's easy for us. We're vegans, so I mean, we're not growing anything that we're going to throw to pigs or chickens and that kind of stuff. Um, the four chickens we have are pets. They're they lay eggs. We give the eggs away. Um, but typically, you know, uh, we're growing our own herbs. So we 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 grow all our own uh, basil and rosemary and thyme and. Uh, that kind of stuff. We grow all our own leafy greens, and that's probably the biggest thing we grow is leafy greens. Mm. Um, uh, strawberries is another big crop for us because um, we like strawberries. We do have a couple of raspberries. Oh, we've got a couple of raspberries and a couple of blackberry bushes. Um, and so usually what we find, um, we try and grow all year round. Obviously, some stuff you can't. Um, but in the summer, 
As spring, summer, early fall, we would find what that we reduce our grocery bill by thirty percent, probably. Um, maybe more. We need to get better at it. Um, you know, I'm I'm starting to experiment with uh, hydroponics, particularly Pratky hydroponics. Mm-hmm. Which, if you want to know what that is, go look it up on YouTube. It is uh, it's just a way of growing hydroponically without the need for electrical pumps and that kind of stuff mm. uh, and you can do that in a windowsill so I'm trying to use utilize that and learn that so that I can I can grow all year round inside and out that way I, I want to get to the point and I'm not there yet where our food our grocery store I'll put our grocery store bill um, not necessarily our food bill uh, our grocery store bill is consistently under eighty dollars a week. Um, now people are probably freaking the hell out right about now. Um, yeah, like what do you eat? How do you? <laughs> yeah, what the hell are you eating? And <laughs> what are you doing with your grocery bills? Yeah, uh, for well, for your mother and I, honestly, we get all the protein we need. We get all the uh, vitamins and minerals um, uh, and everything that we need. And probably pretty typically here lately, and that includes cleaning products and all that sort of stuff. We're averaging probably a hundred bucks a week. And the last few weeks have actually been less. Yeah. So, I mean, for, for two of us, we don't spend a whole heck of a lot at a grocery store. And in top on top of that, people, we are buying organic, non-GMO, like. We're the bougie people here when it comes to shopping. Uh, We'll have to talk about GMOs on another episode because I have some some thoughts and some some science on on my side of things. Okay, I yeah, we can do that on another one. Part of the reason our bill, our grocery bill, is a little bit less is we maintain our basic covered supplies. So if we're starting to get low on a spice, we'll buy bulk of it. What we know we can go through. I mean, I'm not talking a five pound bag of coriander or cumin. I'm talking, we go and we go, okay, yeah, the scoop. Yep. That's about right. Um, We make sure we have, you know, basic rice and beans, different types of canned beans, dried beans, because you can utilize those in so many different ways. Um, I mean, probably once a month, maybe twice a month, we are going, okay, we need to use what's in the cupboard. We, we've had, you know, no, what do we need? And then we just buy the fresh stuff that we need to supplement with what we're making. Um, the other thing we've started doing is meal prepping on Saturdays or Sundays, whatever day works on the weekend. Um, because it's the two of us, we have two crock pots. We will make a couple crock pot meals. And it's enough between the three different meals to rotate through for lunch and dinner for the week. And then, you know, we'll, whatever's left from that will be frozen and, and we'll pull it out at another time when we forget to shop or something. So, I mean, it, it's, it's, it's a learning curve. It's very easy to do with one or two people. Um, with a family it's really not that much harder. You just have to be more disciplined and do it consistently. You may have to increase it a little bit because of 
you know, children's taste or allergies or whatever. (laughs) Yeah. It's doable for a family. And if you've already been doing it as a single and a couple without kids, it's not going to be any different. You're not going to change your lifestyle just because you have kids. Right. You should continue to teach them your values and lead that example. But well, um, I think that brings us to the end of the episode. So I'll say thanks for listening. Hopefully you guys out there have learned how to be sustainable and can save yourself some money. Uh, but until next week, uh, I've been Josh. I'm mom. I'm dad. Don't forget to hit the like, subscribe and the bell and send us some questions. Yes, please do reach out, send us some questions at fayanswerdquestions at gmail.com. Bye. Bye. <laughs>